Hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge, and I am starting a show without Danny on the window for some reason. Don't really I'm here. know why. Yeah, he's here. I'm here. I'm here. So bizarre, man. Technical. Disappearing Danny. Yeah, it's always, like, it's always something, isn't it? Well, you know, we do what we do. It's a labor of love. There we go. But, uh, you know, we deal with the technical difficulties, and uh, so we do our best dealing with them. So, All right. Well, not really a whole lot going on in the world of the White Sox, um, oh, you know, no. as most people know. Um, yeah, there's just not really a whole heck of a lot going on. Um, you know, uh, the – Fans that were hoping for uh, Gene Segura are upset. Um, me personally, I was kind of uh, whatever about that in the first place. Not really, not exactly um, one of those exciting moves for me. So no. I was completely okay with not signing him. Um, been a couple of minor league transactions. Um, that's about it. Um you know, I, there's not really any barn burners here to talk about. And, you know, I, I'm kind of reserved to the, like the fate that the White Sox are going to go into spring training looking like this. I mean, what do you think? Uh, well, you know, I, I kind of touched on this a little bit before we uh, took our little Christmas break. But uh, I was under the impression that I did not expect much to happen uh, until spring from here on out. Andrew Benintendi was a little bit of a shock for most of us, as we talked about. Uh, and, uh, you know, Clevenger was completely not even, you know, in the, the realm of thought of being a possibility for uh, a White Sox signing this offseason. So, you know, to say that the White Sox offseason has been uh, quiet isn't exactly untrue, but we did at the same time get some uh, surprises. None of them uh, really, you know, blockbusters that you would say. But, uh, yeah, I don't expect much from here on out. I was, uh, in, as you know, you and I have had some chats, you know, offline. Um. If there was going to be another free agent signing, you know, possibly for a second baseman, I think Gene Segura was about the only guy that I was even slightly interested in at this point. Uh, and that wouldn't have been any kind of, you know, crazy move either. Um, I'm with you. I think, you know, the, the Sox could probably roll with uh, someone in the minor leagues in that spot and do at least as good as they have or as bad as they have at second base for, you know, the last, you know, however many years since, like, what, Tadahito Aguchi, you know, was anything good at second base? Yeah, I think that was the last <laughs> time the White Sox got, like, three war out of a second baseman or something like that, something along those lines. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's about where my head's at, you know. Uh, I don't expect much more to happen this offseason. There might be a few more of those minor league signings you know as we saw well you know there were a lot of holes to plug in charlotte 
meaning that you either had to go outside of the organization to plug them or you had to bump up some guys from double and single A to plug those holes. So uh, there will be some moves made in the minor league department. I am quite sure of that. But as far as anything huge, I really don't expect much. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, Donuts33, our Mark Orr, says, Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy New Year, Mark. Happy New Year to you as well and to uh, everybody, all of our listeners. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, let's hope that the stink of 2022 is left behind with the turning of the calendar because uh, nobody wants to watch that again. That's no. for sure. Um. Yeah, uh, you know, as as mentioned, there's there are so many holds down in Charlotte that they're going to have to make, you know, they're at least going to have to pick up pitching for Charlotte, at least some. You know, I mean, just the organizational depth, you know, and I'm not even talking about like as a as a feeder for the major league team. I'm just saying, you know, organizational depth to have the amount of pitching that you're going to need to get through an entire season at uh, at Charlotte is just, it's not there right now. And I, I'm not saying that uh, some of these guys aren't going to take a step and that some of these guys, you know, don't deserve to move up or whatever. You know, there's going to be a couple of those. But uh, there's still a lot of development that needs to happen from the guys, you know, from a lot of the guys that are lower in the minors, they're not going to make it up to Charlotte right away. So we're talking about uh, pretty bare bones for a little bit uh, until they start making some signings here. You know, it's like half the, you know, Mark Payton just signed in uh, Japan. So he's gone. Um you know, so there's uh, one outfield uh, roadblock for some of the younger guys, you know, for playing time that they don't have to worry about is that now he's now in Japan. And uh, I can't say I blame the guy. Yeah, you know, I don't either. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's not one of the young bucks out there. He's kind of floated around through a, a couple major league or I should say minor league systems of major league baseball teams and uh you know, time for him to go get paid wherever he can at this point. So, you know, kudos to him. Go make that money, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure that he's probably hoping for a, you know, some sort of a, a nice season over in Japan so he can come back over here and hopefully somebody gives him a shot at that point. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I mean, to be realistic, I don't know that there's going to be anything, you know, I, I don't know if Mark Payton's going to do any more than he did last year in Charlotte anywhere else to prove that he deserves a shot to play major league baseball. You know, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, it's not like he was putting up 35 home runs or anything like that, but you know, we're at least looking at, uh, you know, a league average outfielder probably, um, given, you know, if you give him some time to, you know, to get comfortable, up there and uh he didn't really get a whole lot of that uh last year they were apparently you know happy with rolling out uh Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets out in the outfield instead of uh a guy who's a you know 
a, pro- a professional hitter and outfielder, you know, um, I think that, uh, you know, you're going to start see, start to see some of this roster ton- turnover that's going to, uh, move some of these, uh, first basemen slash DHs out of the way. And, you know, it might not be this season, you know, you might be talking next season that, uh, somebody's going to get, uh, jettisoned after, you know, either not living up to potential to, to their potential or, you know, just getting traded for something else that's, uh, that's useful for this team. Well, you know, to me, the best case scenario would be that if one of these guys somehow finds the, uh, playing time that doesn't, uh, become a detriment to the current roster, i.e. playing out of position, but also finds a way to uh, be not only helpful to the roster, but, uh, you know, increases their value so that maybe a midseason trade can be made for a push, you know, if you will, for the White Sox to, uh, you know, win the Central Division. And that's the, you know, that's the, the best case scenario in my mind for some of these some of these guys that we just have a plethora of, unfortunately, finding a place for those guys where they're not out of position and where you're not uh, overly platooning some of these gentlemen uh, is going to be difficult to, uh, you know, ascertain. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, like you said earlier about the surprise of the Benintendi thing, I, I was completely not expecting that at all. And, um, you know, I, I expected Colas to come up, and I still expect him to come up. I don't think they're going to uh, do anything additionally to uh, change anything in the outfield as far as depth goes. Um, you know, and we've seen I, – I mean, I hope that we have seen the last of the Gavin Sheets and, uh, you know, the like in the outfield – for good, you know, is that they stop doing that nonsense. I mean, you, you know, you talk about, oh, well, you know, the White Sox are trying to grab these players so we can get more flexible. I don't care about flexibility at this point, to be honest. Get guys who can play their positions, stay on the field and healthy and play, you know, some decent baseball. That's That's what I'm asking for because – um, just watching them roll out guys every, you know, year upon year that can't play defense and, uh, are hitting two, 240, you know, all the time. You know, it's like, if you got one of those guys, okay. And, you know, I'll take that at second base. I'll, or, or I'll take it in right field, but you can't, you can't be doing it in both places. You can't have black holes in a World Series contending team. Year after year well, after year, and just keep doing it. And not to mention that left field has kind of been that way too the last couple of seasons with you know Aloy's Dude, injury, injury history. And, yeah, right. And you know it's unfortunate that that might be the case. You know we've been talking about second base and left field a lot, but injury really has kind of left a lot of holes. And you can talk about the flexibility all you want. You know, oh this this gives us all the flexibility. And I'm just going to piggyback off of what you're going on here. But I'm, you know, I think there's a lot of ire 
built up in this fan base for being sold that same line of rhetoric all the time where it's, ah, oh, we're just, we're looking for depth. We're looking for flexibility. Well, how about we focus more on, you know, the things that we've been talking about here lately is keeping these guys healthy so that, you know, deaf players are exactly that. They're deaf players that aren't going to play a half a season because somebody else couldn't hack it, couldn't stay healthy. Uh, you know, it, it would have been nice to see some, I should say, multiple players of consequence brought in to kind of put this team over the top. Reality is we're probably not going to see that anytime soon with this White Sox organization. We haven't seen it for a long time, uh, if ever, in, you know, reality, if we're really talking about it. But, uh, you know, having just the, the guys that are supposed to be there stay out on the field and play 120, 140, 150 games a season together would be an excellent start to actually see what this ball club is made of. Yeah, you know, hey, what's up, Xavier? Happy New Year. Good to see you. Hey, good evening, buddy. You know, it, it, I did you happen to catch the uh the article that uh the the piece that Patrick Nolds put up on Sox Machine? Did you happen to check Which that one? Out? I I've read a couple of them It actually. was uh the uh the White Sox not selling them, you know, not selling themselves anymore. I, I did read that. Yeah. Uh, I did you, read any, that. Your thoughts? Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to deny what he's saying because the one thing that has it, that, that, you know, we talk about a lot of things not changing in the organization over the years, but the one thing that does seem to have changed this year is they are not in our face with the same line of BS day in and day out. There, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of the same talk. It's just not as often, I guess, at this point. Uh, the, the biggest story of the off season, I think this year, and the more that we're here, the, the one story we're hearing the most of is fans finally, you know, there's always that contingent of fans every year that are upset about the team not doing anything, but there just seems this past season with the, the amount of disappointment that came from the 2022 season, this off season now has brought out a whole new contingent on top of the one that already existed of fans that are angry. Yep. And uh, I think that is more prevalent than the same old, same old from the White Sox right now. The White Sox have kind of turtled a little bit. They've, they've crawled into that shell and uh, have gone quiet. And it's not totally unlike them. They've always kind of played their cards close to their chest. But this year, it's 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 been real quiet. There hasn't been a whole lot of... Rick Hahn doing interviews, Jerry Reinsdorf doing interviews, Kenny Williams doing interviews. Everybody's kind of gone into hiding a little bit. So, what do you feel about the article that he wrote? Yeah, I yeah, I completely, you know, I, the whole thing. I was just kind of reading and going, yeah, that's pretty much true. Um, yeah, Mark Orr says that canceling Soxfest is a per- perfect example. Yeah, you know, it, it, they they talk he about talks about that. In that article, yeah, exactly. I mean, they talk about gaining the fans' trust back, and the first thing they do is announce that Soxfest is canceled. So, 
the angry masses can't show up and ask them what they're doing, you know, like what, what their plan is. You know, I, I am, and especially, you know, w- with the fact that you have an, uh, you know, not completely new, but you know, you have a mostly new coaching staff coming in, a new manager coming in. And usually teams will use their fan fest to kind of parade their their new hire out there and uh, try and instill hope in a fan base. And it just seems like the White Sox just don't care, you know, yeah. that they, they don't, you know. And, I mean, you can talk about their, their – uh, game experience and just how they treat their fans in general and just kind of roll it all into one and just say they just don't seem to care, you know, they just, uh, and you know, like when you add on top of that, that, uh, last week they just announced that, uh, that new tiered seating list and all that stuff, which, you know, like I, you know, I don't have like I, I don't really have like any animosity towards that, you know. Like I understand it, like most teams do it. So I, you know, to say that the the White Sox shouldn't be the ones doing that kind of thing, I will say that you know the fact that you know, as mentioned in the article, that you know they took away uh, half price mon- or uh, what is that uh, half price Mondays and uh, hot dog Wednesdays. There's a hot dog Mondays half price ones. I forget. I forget what how it went. But um, dollar dollar dog dollar dog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I think they, that was all part of the Monday deal. Actually, I think that yeah, was all. It was, and there was yeah, like a it's family Sundays. Mm, yes. You know, dollar dollar dogs and but yeah, and that's the thing. Over the last couple of seasons, they've kind of taken a lot of the promotions away. And then the the other one is the the giveaways have kind of you know they'll have. Like we've talked about this in the past where, you know, they have this awesome giveaway and they only do it for the first 10,000 fans. And you got to stand in line for two hours before you even get to the door to find out that the giveaway was gone an hour and a half ago. Yeah. And, you know, half of the 30 plus thousand fans that show up don't even make it in until the second inning. So, you know, all of those things go towards the fan experience while you're, you know, raising ticket prices and and adding these new tiered packages where, you know, if you want to sit 15 feet closer to the action out in, you know, the right field, uh, I wouldn't call them bleachers, but that section out, you know, those sections out in right field where there's, you know, the first five rows all of a sudden are going to cost you 10 more bucks. Now is $10 all that extreme? No. But the fact of the matter is, is uh, if you want to win back the faith and the trust of the fans, you can't sequester yourself from them and then dump these ticket prices on them and have nothing to say about it. Yeah, there was no represent representation from the team to even come out and talk about it. We get this, you know, tweet and a, a seating map that comes out. You know, some of some of the folks that subscribe to the Sox mailing list to get emails about it. And that was about it. There was not a whole lot of talk about it. It was just like, Hey, here it is. You know, there's, there's really not much coming from within the organization 
whatsoever. And that kind of leaves people with a bad taste in their mouth. It's not really good business practice to do that. And uh, especially coming off the season that you just came off of. Yeah. So I there's don't... a lot of, there's a lot of angst towards the, towards the, uh, the organization right now. And I can't really say that I blame anybody for feeling any of it. Yeah. I, I mean, they were pretty much in a lose, lose situation there. As far as that went with the fact that they raised their payroll so much and, you know, they are projecting themselves to make more money and then the team falls flat, can't stay healthy, you know. So, I mean, I'm sure that uh, this is like a thing that they've been talking about doing for a while and it just so happens that it falls on the 2023 calendar as being the time that they were finally like, okay, we need to finally start raising our prices a little bit more. And I, you know, like the thing I, I will say is that, you know, for the most part, the White Sox, uh, you know, like going to a White Sox game is a, a fairly decent value comparatively to other baseball teams that I have gone to see, you know, in the major leagues. Their, their value is pretty good as far as you know, as far as that goes, uh, the issue being that, uh, like you had mentioned, you know, the fact that you can't get into the park, you know, I mean, it takes you an hour to get parked and then it takes you an hour in line. You know, it's like you have to show up three hours early. So you get in for first pitch. It's, it's absurd, you know, right. uh, and the, the fact that they can't figure out how to get you know, like the thing is, they if they would get people in quicker, they would make more money. You know, Absolutely. because people can't spend money when they're standing in line. Absolutely. You know, so absolutely. That's that they if they don't figure out the entry to the ballpark, and it's not any better this year. You know, like I like I think uh, Nick Morowski had mentioned that. Uh, Somebody had said something about them making some sort of special entrance for season ticket holders to help uh, get people into the park earlier. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, that's like 15% of the fan base. What about the other that. 85% that are still going to be standing out in line waiting to get into the into the park? You know, it's just like, what are you guys doing? You know, it's- well, you know, and that, that all starts in the parking lot too. You know, they advertise that they don't open the lots until two hours before the game. Uh, now I know for a fact that they usually do open them a little bit earlier and that's probably because you've got a line of cars out there. Some of these lots, uh, actually pour right into the residential area around the park. You know, if you're entering off of, uh, you know, 37, 38th street over on the, uh, the west side of the park and uh you know even the stuff on the north side of the park on the north side of 35th street you know there's a lot of residential area over there and uh unfortunately you know they don't have much of a choice but to open up earlier problem is is and you know no disrespect to the off-duty officers that are out there doing these things and not every one of those parking attendants is an off-duty officer but i know there are a handful of them it just seems really unorganized uh, there needs, there's got to be a better way. I've been to other sporting events where I know for a fact that there is a better way. Uh, I think they need to go and kind of uh, reevaluate. Maybe, 
send some of these folks that handle this thing to another sporting event, another stadium, and see how they handle it. Maybe take some cues from some places that get it right. I don't know, but it starts there. I mean, it, all they there. have to do is literally go to the other side of town and go get go to a game at Wrigley Field. And you see how you can just walk into the park. I walked into yeah, a, it's it's rather quickly. Yeah, I walked into a Cubs Sox game, and I walked in twenty minutes before first pitch. And I literally, my buddy had his tickets on his phone. We literally just walked up to the gate and walked right through. It took us literally twenty seconds for him to get his phone scanned. That was it. Like I didn't have to sit there and empty my pockets. I didn't have to wait in a two and a half hour line. No, they have updated, you know, 21st century security systems over there. We're still yeah. using the stuff that you went through airport security in the eighties over here on the South side. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's pathetic, honestly. Yeah. I, and you know, like the, the thing is, is that they're costing themselves money. They are making their fans angry, you know, and then add on top of that, that you raise prices, you know, which, you know, fine. I, I don't, you know, I don't have any issue with them raising the ticket prices a little bit. You know, like I get it. You know, the the White Sox tickets are, you know, generally a pretty good value. But the thing is, is that at least show that you care about the fan experience even a little bit, you know. Yeah. Give me a product that I am proud to go see on the field, whether they win or lose on it, you know. You're nobody. There's not a team out there that's going to win, you know, 162 games a season. It's not going to happen. But give me something I can be proud of, where I can feel like, you know, what this team puts up a good showing, uh, and they actually, you know, give a damn about what they're doing out there. And then, you know, aside from the team, the rest of the fan experience needs to be better too. You know, they've made improvements to what was a very cookie cutter stadium when it was first built we went from uh that cathedral type stadium that you know the old comiskey park was or yes was there obstructed views with the pillars sure but it there was a there was an air of wonder around that place even though it wasn't the you know maybe the best ballpark in the world uh it had character had some feel and when they built this new stadium it was this monstrosity of a blue bowl that they put in there. And sure, they've they've made that part of the experience better. They've changed the color scheme. They added the fan zone. They've, you know, updated to a, a scoreboard that was, you know, from this century, finally. Uh, they did a few things that, you know, kind of made the ballpark feel better. <clears throat> but they've also had some missteps, too. Excuse me. You know, some of the uh, the branding that they went out there. The Goose Island thing was kind of a, a goofy little thing they had going on and, you know, whatever, however that long didn't that didn't last lasted. long either. They ended up no. uh, selling, you know, Goose Island down the, uh, down the river as it were. Uh, and then right. signing the, the deal with Miller Lite again and getting rid of the, uh, the goose. And it's like, you know, the interesting things that, that the park had, it's, you know, they lose their luster a lot when you're 
pissed off about everything else that's going on, whether it be the team or whether it be taking two hours to get into the park or whatever, you know? Right. And then, you know, you, you take away the promotions that brings more people to the ballpark and, you know, things that people enjoy. It's just, it, it just feels like a sad state of affairs, no matter what way you look at it. Uh, the only way they are going to be able to win back some of that trust is by going out and winning ball games. Period. It's, it's going to come down to that. Because you know what, if you're winning ball games, maybe people people might be a little bit more willing to stand in a long line, but they shouldn't have to. Regardless. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's a, it, it's, it's the like, team is not broke. It's a lucrative business. Yeah. You should put the money into your product to make people want to show up instead of being upset before they even step foot inside the building. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, start. it makes people not First even impressions. Want, want to go, you right. know, because you, you know that that's what you're going to have to deal with. I mean, when uh, when my dad lived around here before they before they moved down south, um, you know, he, he would always be like, "Ah, it takes too long to get to the game. I don't, I don't feel like going." Because I call him up, I'd be like, "Hey, I got, I got an extra ticket. You want to go to the game?" And he'd be like, ah, "I don't want to go. Instead, take too long to get there." I don't feel like sitting in the car, you know, whatever, you know, and right. I, like the thing is like, it's hard enough to get there. And then once you finally do get there, then having to put up with waiting for parking or getting harassed by unnamed criminals trying to steal your money from you and sell you fake parking and nothing gets done about that either. And then once you finally do get parked, then you have to stand in line you know, for, you know, if, if it's a, you know, heaven forbid you go on the day of a giveaway, because if you do that, you're, you know, <laughs> you're just waiting yeah, for, forget it. yeah, you're going to like, the, you're going to be standing next to, you know, 94, you know, in a line <laughs> for, you know, the gates over by the, uh, hanging out on a Dan Ryan. Yeah, hoping exactly. You get, it's insane. Hoping man. you get your, uh, your bobblehead or your, you know, White Sox hockey sweater or whatever it is. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's and that's the thing. This is a what is considered to be the blue collar team here in Chicago. Uh, most White Sox fans are the type of people that you know work for a living daily. Now you know a lot of people aren't getting home from work until after five o'clock in the evening. Or if they're working somewhere in the city, they don't go home. They go straight to a ball game just to get there in time. Uh, so that's another part of the, you know, you would think that you would try to accommodate those types of fans. Like, you know, say somebody coming from the Western suburbs, you know, in, in, uh, you know, some people that I know is particular case where it's rush hour. When you're trying to get down there and you're either coming down, you know, I-55 or Archer Avenue or 39th Street or, you know, whether it be you're going from 55 onto the Dan Ryan, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Traffic is gnarled and you're trying to get to a ball game that starts at, you know, 7.05 or a few years ago, what a 7.11 is another part of their crazy promotional deals, you know, and uh, <laughs> you're still, you're, you're dealing with these lines. I just got off of work. I was frustrated at hell at work all day long. I, you know, I'm beating my knuckles into the ground and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears at work. I'm going to a baseball game to relax, and I get to the baseball game, and I can't even relax because I'm, you know, I'm losing my mind trying to get into the ballpark. Yep. 
I, I will know, say it becomes to a it comes to a point where we you know when is it worth it? The uh, and, and, and you add ticket prices to that now, and you're like, well, what the hell? I might as well not even go. I got a 65 inch screen TV in my house. A picture is fantastic. They got good streaming quality. I'll go watch the game there. But screw you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the one thing I will say is that they finally did fix the, you know, they are finally removing all the horses from the junction. And it appears that for the first time in 17 years, the junction is going to be free of construction this summer. Oh, that's what it's looking for. How long? I don't, (laughs) who knows, who knows, but I will say like my drives into the city. The last couple weekends since that, uh, since they've, you know, tooted their own horn that, hey, we're pulling up the last of the horses off the highway, you know, and they got trucks sitting there driving around picking up, you know, the city's tweeting about, you know, a truck driving around and picking up the last horse in the, in the junction. Yeah. Uh, they tweeted that out at like five o'clock in the afternoon, la- uh, two Fridays ago. And then, uh, after the show that I worked down there, that night, I was coming from the west, uh, you know, uh, you know, farther up north in the city, you know, like up near, uh, Gold Coast and everything, coming back to the junction. And I see another truck driving, picking up more horses. I was like, all right. So it wasn't completely done when you guys tweeted about it, but, uh, yeah, it was not the last one. <laughs> but I will say that that split right there going, uh, you know, towards Congress. And, uh, the split to 94, uh, it was actually really clean and it was pretty, pretty stinking smooth. There wasn't like that giant backup, uh, right there at that spot. So maybe, maybe just maybe, uh, this summer might end up being, you know, like a, a decent, uh, you know, decent traffic, traffic experience. Yeah, it might not be nearly as bad as it has well, been in the in the past. So, I mean, that's I guess that's hope. a good start. You know, I'm, I'm sure the White Sox will find a way to hang their head on something the city and uh, someone else took part of, and really didn't have anything to do with the White Sox at all. But they'll find a way. They'll oh, find a way to uh, take some credit for it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there will still be the backup going up the ramp over there, and uh, you'll still have, uh, you know. You'll you'll have to slow down enough for somebody to harass you about getting money for fake parking. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Mark Orr says uh, maybe you maybe utilize more of the gates available as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, they can try. I mean, I the the problem is is that you know no matter no matter what they do as far as as far as that bit goes is that you're still gonna have. You know, security tech from 1992. Right. You know, you're still going to have that and you're still going to have to sit there and empty, you know, you're still going to watch the, the lady in front of you with two kids, you know, that's bringing in like this big bag. You know, you're still going to have to watch her empty the whole thing out all over the table and then they're going to have to, you know, give her the wand and then they're going to have to, you know, say, hey, you know, this should be a clear bag, blah, blah, blah. And then the lady's going to argue with him. And then, you know, I mean, it's just. Oh, it's you, a, you got too many bottles of water in here. We're going to have to confiscate yeah, this. Exactly. Oh, you can't bring your vape pen in, you know, whatever. They're looking. It's like 
you, you feel like you're going through customs instead of a baseball security check over there. It's 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 pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I'll you know, of course, I'll end out at a at some games this year, and uh, we'll see how it how it goes. Um, the first one may determine how many more I go to. You know, depending on how terrible of a uh, experience it is getting in there. And you know, like thing is that you would think that like maybe like the first couple of first couple of series, you know, like maybe they're just getting their feet under them, but it doesn't improve for the rest of the year. I mean, it's just a, it's yeah. You try thing. to give them that benefit of the doubt, yeah. you know. It, you know, myself, Mark Orr included, uh, you know, and a, a bunch of friends of mine. We have been doing an opening day outing every year for uh, at least the last I don't know. 15, 18 years together. Uh, I myself have been going to opening day, you know, long before that particular group outing has been started. And, uh, you, you know, like you say, you hope, you think, okay, well, it's it's early in the season. Opening day is the biggest, you know, ticket selling day of the year for the White Sox, other than maybe the Cubs series. Um, so you kind of think, all right, well, this is one of the biggest crowds they're going to expect, and it's the first ball game of the season. So, you know, like you said, maybe things will get better, and it just doesn't. It just does not, and it's unfortunate that a game with, you know, 40,000 fans is awful. Then you go to a game where there's 12,000 fans, and it's still a still nightmare. Still the same thing, yeah, exactly. That's it's, the, it's a nightmare. You don't understand. Here's a here's a team that's barely 500, and attendance is way down towards the end of the season, and you still can't you still can't get in. And then you uh, then you know I start to hear I start to talk to some of the people that you know I used to work with when I I never actually worked for the White Sox, but I worked for a company that had a partnership with the White Sox where I worked in the stadium quite a bit. And I still have some friends down there, and I talk to them, and they say, yeah, well, you know, when the attendance starts getting lower, they start cutting staff. Yep. And you're going, wait a minute, we're cutting staff now because they're not selling enough tickets or they don't have enough fans in the stadium. This is a, you know, it's been proven over and over again that there isn't a team that's actually losing money. How much money they're making, we'll never know until, you know, things change legally. But uh, it's a lucrative business. We're seeing even more of that now with the way some of these other teams are spending with reckless abandon. But, uh, you know, you're telling me you can't pay a couple of guest service representatives because you're only expecting, you know, 12,000, 13,000 as opposed to 35,000. Yeah. You, you know, you're going to, you're going to send, you know, 40, you know, minimum wage people home for the day that's uh it's kind of ridiculous and all the while the fans are the ones that are suffering the people that are putting the money in the pockets so yeah it's it's kind of shameful how they operate yep yeah i you know it's uh every year you know it's a it's been the same thing over and over and over again let's hope that at some point they finally uh, you know they talk about earning trust back from the fans let's see if they actually uh put their money where their mouth is and uh try and do the things that make it easier for the people that they apparently uh, they're having problems finding people that want to work there first off you know you know when you make everybody's job difficult 
by giving them equipment from 1992. Yeah. Why do I want to go and deal with that nonsense? You know? So understandable. Um, you got anything else for this week? I mean, there's not really a whole lot going on. I mean, uh, I don't really expect, you know, that we're in that, uh, we're in that lull right now. Yeah. It's the winter doldrums. Yeah. We got another couple of weeks and then, uh, pitchers and catchers, you know, go in in like, uh, what, like four weeks or something like that. So. Yeah, we're basically at the midpoint of the off season, but at least uh, coming up here in February, uh, we'll get some guys that start to report to camp, uh, and you know, and then then we'll start getting the reports of he's in the best shape of his life. This one, you know, started a new workout program. This one's on a new diet. This one's you know, bulked up ten pounds. This one's lost fifteen pounds. You know, whatever it is, that's what that's that's how it's going to start. We all know that. You know, Lucas Giolito is in the best shape of his life. All that weight that he put on last year, he's lost because you know he lost the velocity when he did it. And then we're going to get you know, Yasmani Grandal was working out with the Blackhawks. Uh, you know, strength I, and conditioning coach. I and, saw him. He looks good. You know, he does look it. Yeah. He looks. He looks. Uh, you know. Well, you know, on the outside, he didn't look terrible either last year. On the inside, it was a whole different story, you know. I I hope that, you know, the back and and the legs and everything else that he's had going on are, uh, you know, back to good. For for him, the sake of him and the the Sox and the fans. But, uh, you know, I'm at the point now where I'll believe it when I see it. Yep. So looking forward to those. Yeah. Yeah, I've said it once. I'll say it before. You can call me Missouri because I'm going to be the show me. Show me from here on out. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sell out on you just yet. But you need to show me something before I uh, come all the way around. Yep. Show me. <laughs> show me what the deal is. Uh, let's let's get this thing. Let's get this thing moving. You guys figure out what the heck it is that you're doing over there at Thirty Fifth and Shields to get us into the park and spend some money. Because it's not that we don't want to. Oh, I would absolutely yeah. love to. Even when the team's bad, I still buy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know. If, I'll show up to a few games when they're bad. Yeah, but if you're bad but, uh, and you don't care. Yeah, then I really don't care either. Yeah, I don't care about but Last season anyway. was, right. I mean, last season was one of the first seasons I found myself turning the TV off or changing the channel more often than I'd ever have. In the past, probably I've done it more in the last season than I've done in the last 10 years combined, you know, and that that's kind of where I think a lot of the fan base is at right now. If I can't watch them on TV for an entire game, why am I going to go spend, you know, say 70, 80, a hundred dollars a person for a game after you pay for parking and tickets and, you know, a couple of drinks. Why am I going to do that when I can sit at home? And change a channel if you look absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, if you're running yourself into a triple play, you know, right? That was, ugh, man, what an awful, what an awful game to actually be stuck at. That was not fun. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you were one of the uh, yeah, unfortunate. One of the unfortunates. Hey, you know what? At least my, at least my boy got uh, Gio Urshela's autograph, so that was cool. At least he got something, something out of the deal. So. Yeah, whatever. I guess uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be on next week. 
we'll uh, complain. Probably going to end up switching the date up here because I got baseball practices on Monday coming up here. So we're going to have to move to a different date. We haven't exactly established what day that's going to be. I guess we should make that decision at some point. Um, but we'll uh, keep you guys abreast of the situation once we uh, make that decision. Uh, you guys know where to find us at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh, WhiteSoxDaily.substack.com for printed or, or you know, uh, typed up media uh, stories, uh, you know, pieces from various writers uh, that we have. Uh, and uh, got a Facebook page and we got a YouTube. So feel free to uh, search up White Sox Daily on uh, some of the other platforms. Uh, this will be available in podcast form anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, whitesoxdaily.substack.com. My name is Ian Eskridge for my co-host, the Danny Miller. You guys have a great night and a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. <laughs>